Welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina, and I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. In this episode, I spoke with Cassandra Dittmer, an international sustainable brand consultant and fashion stylist. We covered some amazing topics such as how she defined her niche as a freelancer and also found her service customer fit, uh, the equivalent of, I guess, a product market fit when it came to her services. The strategies she used to effectively embed her personal brand into her business and how you can use your personal image to elevate your business. I know a lot of you want to do that, you know, build your business around your own personal story, your own personal brand. And yeah, she's a great example of someone who's done that so effectively. And also, of course, how to overcome the scalability issue when your business brand has a large focus on your personal brand as well. So basically, your clients always want you and they don't want to, you know, have someone on your team take care of them. And, you know, this is massively, massively not scalable. It's, it's really bad, actually. So we talk about how to overcome that issue to ensure scalability of your business. Before we get on with the episode, I really want to tell you guys about the pitch. As you guys know, I started my business a few months ago and I'm always on the lookout for ways to, you know, skyrocket my business to the next level, whether that's, you know, speaking to other founders, speaking to investors, you know, pitching to other people, you know, getting some feedback basically. And this competition ticks all those boxes. We had the 2020 winner on the podcast before in the previous episode. Uh, Tersha Willis and she spoke amazingly about the pitch I can't wait to apply myself with Wing uh, my business and the reason why I'm, I'm submitting an application to them is because well you get the chance to pitch to seed investors you get coaching and mentoring from industry leading entrepreneurs and you can meet other amazing founders so I mean it's a real no-brainer and I've, I've applied to so many pitching competitions before you know whether it's around sustainability or whether it's around young founders or whether it's, you know, along the lines of um, ethical minority founders and all that stuff. I've literally applied to so, so many. But the pitch is probably the easiest one to apply to because it literally only takes like 10 minutes. So, I mean, yeah, there's no time spent, basically. It's so easy. I've, I've spent, you know, countless hours on, you know, some other competitions and, you know, they get back to you within like 48 hours and they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, no, you're not right for the competition. And you're like, oh, I spent all that time. It's so annoying. So the good thing about the pitch is that if you're a bit hesitant on the fence, just apply anyway because it's so quick to enter and I'm sure 100% that you won't regret it. I'm definitely applying. The deadline is at the end of this month, end of July, if you're listening. So please be sure to not miss it. I've got I've got some free resources in the description below. Uh, you know, loads of tips, loads of advice on, on, on doing it. And yeah, the actual competition itself, the link is there as well. And as Tersha said, even if you don't win it, the sort of advice that you get is is amazing. And also the, the actual uh, you know practice that you get with pitching is such an underrated skill. And they really test you because obviously there's the actually, you know, you do a video to pitch and then if you get to the next round, you have to do a people's vote where you actually like pitch in front of uh, regular people, could be your friends even, and they actually vote for you. So yeah, that's that's like, you know, that's actually pushing the boat out big time there. So it's really, it's really good competition to test your skills as well. Tersha gave a lot of credit to her pitching ability from this competition and she went on to win so many different other competitions. 
Um, so she massively recommended it. I'm going to be following her and applying this year as well. All the information will be in the description below, the links, the resources, all that good stuff. Please do not miss it. Deadline is the end of July. Okay, cool. Well, that's it from me. Let's get on with the episode. Hey, Cass, how are you? Hello, Sina. I'm great. Thank you for having me. No, it's my absolute pleasure. It's so nice to have you. We were talking for so long before we hit record. We got absolutely lost track of time, but it's good we're recording now. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast because as a lot of like the audience knows, I love sustainability. I love startups that are focused on that. I love businesses that focus on that sort of thing. My business wing is focusing on sustainability as well. So any sort of business that approaches me that is solving some sort of problem around sustainability, I just have to kind of get them on. So yeah, that's why you're here, basically. I love that sort of stuff. Awesome. Thank you. Me too. We have that in common. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially with fashion as well, because it's such a massive problem. And we've had we've had uh, like sustainable fashion startups on the podcast before. And it's it's incredibly eye-opening, slightly different to what you're doing. You're doing it more from the styling angle. That was more from, you know, um, selling or renting out, sorry, your your old clothes, which is quite cool as well. Check that out episodes, four, four or five episodes ago for any of you um, interested by rotation. That's the, that's the startup name. It's good to have you on. Um, I guess it would be good to start off with. How did you get into this at the moment? Yes. So I had I had a journey before I arrived at the intersection of sustainability in, in fashion. I started off just studying fashion design. I was always really fascinated just with the runway, with clothing. I always, um, always loved it. My mom's really into fashion. And so even though I'm from like the the countryest place in America, we, you know, I always grew up with like a fashion, fashion mindset and um, moved out, moved out to Los Angeles right after school and pretty quickly got into the styling industry here. And, um, you know, we were chatting before about how I didn't necessarily care to be in the entertainment industry, but moved to Los Angeles because I liked the sunshine and hiking and I loved the industry here. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of fell into, into more of this kind of entertainment role and doing red carpet styling. So, you know, dressing people for press tours and, you know, someone has a movie come out and you see them on different, different talk shows and different premieres. I was mostly Mm. doing that, like those press circuits. And, you know, of course, started off assisting and assisted for many years. And then about five years ago, started my own styling company. Um, and so, you mm. know, wait, Cass, before you, before you go on to yes. that, um, just, just for the clip, of course. <laughs> who's the most famous person that you styled back in the day? Who back in the day, can you say, Yeah. so my, I will say my, my first really famous client was Ty Burrell from Modern Family. And he, mm, I don't watch it, but my girlfriend, is, so, <laughs> yeah, like it's probably, it's a big show. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So that's, that's a big show a big show, especially out here. Um, And, you know, it's interesting when you're transitioning from like being, there is no career generally, like there is no career trajectory within like styling, you know, you're like, you aren't like a junior 
assistant and then a associate and then a this because you're like assisting an artist that has their own like presence. So it's kind of like you assist them until you're able to start on your own or like you assist them and do something else because <laughs> it was too crazy to too crazy to manage. Um, and so kind of getting your own like clientele, it's that like catch 22 where it's like people don't want to work with you and people don't want to like, you know, manage you or work with you until you have your own book, but it's hard to get your own book when you're like working for someone else. And so, you know, there's that, which I think is in a lot of, you know, photographers and, you know, a lot of kind of like creative industries. Um, but yeah, so he was the first, the first person who, um, who was really famous, who was like, you know, I, I want to work with you. Let's do this. Um, which was awesome. That's really cool. Okay. So yeah, what was, what was, what was like, obviously you moved from that to what you're doing now. So how did that whole transition happen? Yeah. So when I was assisting and starting off in the industry, you know, I'm much more worried about basic things like paying my bills, knowing how to do the work, you know, showing up, showing up, doing a good job. Um, but, you know, after years of, you know, years of experience, I kind of saw that most, most stylists were kind of hired in, you know, they're, they're known for something like my old boss was known for being like a menswear stylist and, you know, people kind of have their own niches within the industry and, um, or, you know, they might style, country musicians or they work mostly with people that maybe have a certain aesthetic. And so, you know, as I'm branching out on onto my own, I'm like, I wonder, you know, I want people to know to hire me for something. What do I care about? And so that kind of sent me into, you know, a more internal conversation of how I wanted to be hired and what I wanted my brand to stand for. And it's very different when you're like, seeing you know your name on on things like uh, i don't know why i remember this but like when you pick up bags at like the department stores or the big fancy you know you pick up like a bag at gucci and all of a sudden the bag says like cassandra and you're like oh okay wow like this is cool people i'm pulling for like me um and so you know that's kind of when i started to realize that i really wanted people to hire me because of the ethics and ethos that went in to the brands that I that I pulled from and that I worked with. And that's like, I've just always been interested in that. Like I love, I'm like, I want to meet the maker. I want to understand how something's made. And, um, you know, I'll always, I'll always attest that like, I don't think you have to compromise aesthetics for you know, for sustainability. And I think that's like a continual conversation of what, you know, people are like sustainable designers. It's either super granola or it's like really expensive and unattainable. And so I really love unpacking that for clients and for myself. And so I slowly started to realize that that's how I wanted people to hire me. That's really important. And I think any anyone listening that wants to start like a business around themselves or around anything really, defining that niche or defining like how you're different is really, really important. And I think like we've talked about this in the podcast before, but like the way that I even define the, the differences for a product for wing is that I define like I, you know, had different metrics. So like customizability, like usability, whatever, like different designs, like profile quality, whatever. 
And then you know, I would map that, like the quality based on the competitors. So I say like this, this person's doing well here, but not too well there. And defining your niche of like where you care about, but also where your consumers like want things Absolutely. is really important. So for you, there weren't many stylists around that sort of like sustainability, but well, there might've been, but their price might've been crazy high. So for you thinking, this is what I care about. And this is what consumers also care about. There's a match here. I can provide this. Yep. And, and I think a, a key too is to, you know, consider, um, you know, consider kind of meeting your ego with also meeting needs. You know, you're talking about like the needs of others, like what do people want versus just what you want? You know, is there, is there a market for that? Can you actually add value? And especially in just because styling in LA, you know, that's like, was my experience. I kind of felt like there's so many people that are just willing to, you know, drive around and pick up stuff from stores and, you know, kind of do this schlep as we, any stylist will be triggered by that word because we're like, we're always schlepping around, um, around the city, but you know, which, which is absolutely fine at the beginning, you have to get that um, in some capacity, you know, you need that experience of understanding how it works, but, you know, really at the end of the day, you want to add value and provide solutions for people and not just take up space. You know, there's so many people that just, you know, they're all kind of like regurgitating the same like information or designers or runway or like, this is cool. And, you know, this, um, it, it's just kind of like the same information instead of adding like new perspective and new value and really kind of, um, you know, contextualizing the industry in, in unique ways and not just like saying this is, you know, this is cool. And it's like, what, what is that, you know, what does that mean? <laughs> like we're you know, just kind of taking up, taking up some space instead of really moving an industry forward in a way that we're proud of. Okay, so you wanted that to be your brand and you wanted yourself, like that's what you stand for. That's what you wanted to build something around within styling. Um, I guess what was the sort of like next stage? Obviously you talked about that whole Catch-22 situation. Getting that first client is really challenging. And then obviously like others might, might follow from there. But I guess what was sort of the next step? How did you grow from there? Yeah, so it took, so when I went on my own, I pretty quickly had hired an assistant just to help me, you know, scale and do some of the marketing and more, you know, administrative um, components. And of course, you know, at that time, hiring someone being new to freelance like that, even just one hire was, you know, scaling at that point. Um, and then, you know, one, one became two. And so, pretty quickly, I, you know, was growing in, in the styling space. But um, that was still, you know, that first year, year and a half of freelancing, I'm still just making ends meet, right? And still just making sure that I'm being hired. So at this point, the first year, year to two years, I'm like, having to meet in the middle with not every client is just hiring me because I'm a sustainable stylist. Cause that's a something that people have never heard of. And B I'm still needing to take on more traditional styling work just to make the company stay afloat. And so at that point, I'm really like, I'm planting these seeds, especially knowing like 
styling can be such a hectic business. And so in we talk about this slow fashion, you know, movement in the design space and kind of translating the slow fashion movement to styling, it takes time. You know, it's taking me reaching out, introducing myself to people. You know, the the types of brands I'm working with might not work in these big showrooms that we're used to pulling from. And so it's really research, you know, it's pretty research heavy at the beginning and kind of, um, you know, you're having to be like, this is what I am doing, but this is what I want to do. And, you know, how do I say that effectively while still maintaining, um, maintaining a regular workflow? So at the beginning, it was very like research, research heavy. But then I guess building, building like presentations, building pitch decks that you can show to clients. Like I've never done freelancing on my myself, but from, from speaking to a lot of freelancers, like a lot of the time it's just, you know, speaking to potential clients, like you won't land most of them, but like sending out all these different documents and things oh, yeah. to see what you can do. Oh, for yeah. Them. You're still, and yeah. you know, I still do that all the time. And in a sense of, you know, you're kind of constantly, constantly pitching yourself. And I think the reason that I, you know, I kind of wrap my head around it in a way of like, you know, when you're, when you kind of are creating these decks and creating these pitches, it's like, you're creating this, you're needing to create these assets because you are doing something that like hasn't been done before, or is something that is new. You know, I'm not the only person who cares about sustainable styling, but it's pretty small, the the industry that's really niche in that way. And so, you know, you're kind you're either changing, you know, you're changing people's minds or you're trying to evolve different mindsets and meet new people. So in that way, it's kind of exciting because you're like, I'm having to really paint this picture because it's a new idea. And I think anyone that has a new business can at some you know, in some capacity relate to that, right? You're like, I have to paint this really pretty picture because no one, because no one has done this before. Yeah, no, that's definitely right. And I think from speaking to uh, other sustainability tech, like startups, a lot of the time it is all about education. It's all about like, not, not even trying to convince people, but just trying to educate them on different matters and like, of why this matters more than anything. And then you can jump into, I guess, like how you can help them more than anything. And it's like, when you're, when you're doing something new, there is a lot more work for that because it's like, you have to, you know, educate people. You have to show them like, people are very myopic in a lot of instances. They're very used to sort of what they're doing at the moment. They don't really want to hear about new things a lot of the time. So especially depending on like some, some clientele. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a lot of the challenge for a lot of the time, right? Like just, just trying to like educate people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, so kind of how my, how my trajectory went was, you know, there's this first year or two where I was really in that heavy building research phase and still trying to maintain the small business that I had built. And then, um, about right around that time, about a year and a half into being on my own, um, I got an opportunity to move up to Seattle and help build out a styling team for a big philanthropist. And, you know, so this was really, I kind of took this as this opportunity that, okay, um, this is a private client and I will not walk away with like, you know, images and I won't, 
you know, really be able to share a lot of this story because it's a private client, but I will be able to test this theory of alignment of values to wardrobe and working with non-traditional talent. Like at this point, I've worked mostly with movie stars, with people in entertainment. And I was really my, you know, the vision of where I saw this was like, I want to reach as many people as possible. And, you know, yes, of course, there's something to be said about star power, but I also want, which, you know, really does transcend, obviously celebrities wear things and indicate trends. And, you know, that's still a big, a big piece of, of, you know, how we, how we consume media and trends, but I really wanted this to expand to, you know, I saw digital styling and sustainable styling really expanding to, you know, beyond press tours and beyond it just being one person. And so I took that like year long contract as an opportunity to like build out, build out these thoughts on one private client and kind of like contextualize and figure out what worked. And then hopefully at the end, then rescale. So I kind of like took it back to then be able to bring it way far. How did you kind of like, I know you can't go into a lot of detail, but how did you land the client in the first place? Because, you know, it's, it does sound like a pretty dream client for, for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's funny because I got a call from a random recruiting firm from the East Coast and it actually ended up being, so I almost didn't pick up like the call because <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was spam. And then they kept calling, meaning the recruiting firm kept calling. And, um, and it actually turns out that it's the very first woman I interned for in LA, which would have been 12 years ago now. Um, her, some, they had tapped her cause there was some crazy like family connection and she referred me. And at that point we hadn't worked together in nine years and I was like, how did you even know to, you know, refer me? I was your intern like almost yeah. a decade ago. Um, so I guess that can be a really cool testament to like, you know, showing up and working hard and staying, um, staying in touch with, you know, with, no with matter people you are, that, yeah. you know, you've, you've worked with and kind of not, you know, burning bridges and knowing that planting, planting all of these seeds, like when something like that happens, you're like, oh, wow, I'm really glad that I had this you know, had this crazy unpaid internship and then someone saw that I worked hard and now I got got a dream gig. So, you know, took 10 years, but <laughs> here we are. All this business success and growth that Cassandra's found for her business is a massive testament to the personal brand that she's developed for herself and combining that so effectively with her business. So essentially the business is based around her. I know many of you who want to start a business always have that sort of, uh, I guess, you know, temptation or thought where you want to sort of build your business around yourself as well. You know, whatever business it is, you know, it could be a restaurant business, food business, it could be tech, anything really. But should you show your face a lot? Should you kind of base it around your sort of personal journey or personal stories and all of that stuff? So I want to ask Cassandra, I guess, why she made this, this decision. And also, if you do decide to base your, your business around your sort of own personal story, your own personal brand, how do you most effectively do that? And yeah, so I'll ask Sandra that as well. Yeah, so, you know, this is something I think about all the time and, you know, constantly, constantly I'm at ends with myself of what, you know, what makes the most sense moving forward. And the reason that I 
you know, started with building a personal brand around myself is when you're working with, you know, private clients and celebrities and people that, you know, you don't necessarily have like control over what they do or what they wear. You know, you're a consultant that, that indicates, um, you know, that obviously you're hired and you help curate these help curate these things. But at the end of the day, you're not totally in control of like what someone wears and what someone does. And so by kind of having it be like, well, if this is what I talk about and this is what I stand for, like I'm in control of that, you know, so I can, if this is like my personal brand, then this ethos will attract like the right people and especially something as complicated and layered and intersectional as sustainability, you know, I think it's more effective to kind of live that life and that will attract the right people. And so, you know, I think it kind of came from being in this huge, you know, huge industry where you can stand for a lot of things or, or not. But I really wanted people to not be confused how to hire me. And so I really had to kind of carve out that niche. And I, I was, you know, too impatient for just being like, oh, word of mouth, you know, people will know to hire me in this way. It's kind of like the one thing you can do and you can control and you can start at any time is your like self-promotion. And, you know, especially leaving the private sector and then going back to building a public business, I think that was like, if I want to know, if I want people to know what I stand for, I kind of, I think it will be more effective if I'm like the face of this because I can, I can control, you know, what I talk about, the brands I post, and that will attract people that are uh, like-minded. So do you think, I guess, a right decision for you to to base the brand so heavily around yourself? Like, has it, has it re- reaped rewards for your, for your brand? Would you say? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think um, for me, the right decision was initially building it around me while I was, you know, building that story and kind of helping, you know, telling that story. I think a goal now of mine is to scale and evolve in ways that are outside of just me. And, you know, that comes from this mindset too of wanting to you know, I want to reach more people. I don't want it to necessarily be as ego driven. You know, I want to help and work with as many people as possible. I don't necessarily need to be like the star of the show. And so I think kind of once you get, you know, like over the last like year or two, you know, I've gotten some amazing press and you kind of go in this like flow where you're like, oh, am I focusing on like, you know, okay, I got this Vogue cover, but I really want my business to get this. Or, you know, like, is this just about me as a person and I want my business to like be be that? And so, you know, it's this tricky like challenge. Um, and I, by the way, I said Vogue cover, but it was Vogue article to be super clear. <laughs> I'm not on the cover of Vogue. Um, but, you know, so you do kind of, when you're doing a lot of personal personal press, you're like, want to make sure that your business is what you're like, kind of, you know, fluffing up there. And it's not all about like you as an individual. And so I do think 
it's, you know, you're finding that tricky balance, but you know, you are an asset, like every person is an asset and you can build a business and a personal brand that complements each other. And I think that only makes it stronger, makes a stronger case. And at some point when people need to, you know, if, if they ever get to a place where they really want it to be about their business, then you can scale that in, in a different way. And that's just kind of what, what worked for me. I mean, styling is kind of this interesting industry where most people are also a bit of their own personality. Um, so that's, that, you know, is what worked for, worked for me. Before we get to the scalability, and I'd love to finish on the scalability yeah. thing is, um, I guess for people listening that want to use their personal brand in their business, I guess, what are some strategies that you've used to, uh, to ensure that it grows most effectively, like to ensure that that story, that all the ethos, the motivations that you have personally get translated so well into the actual brand itself? Yeah. What are the strategies that you use? Yeah. And so something that we, so something I use a lot, and this is just coming off the heels too of working and wanting to champion a lot of times small or emerging designers. And um, so we we always think like, how do we, you know, activate communities in really unique and complementary ways, right? So we try to try to work on really like layered solutions. And so, you know, it might not just be like Instagram. It's like, you know, what, you know, kind of doing the research to seeing how people are activating and leaning on, you know, now there's so much data available, like your insights, like you, you know, as a business accounts on a lot of these things, you're able to see and track and follow and being really active in like what's effective, um, you know, when you're trying to grow a business. Of course, if you're just doing like your personal account stuff, maybe you don't need to get caught up in like all of that. But if you're trying to grow a business, I, I do think leaning on data and insights is important and figuring out unique ways to activate community, you know, so it might be starting a newsletter or, um, you know, starting like, is Instagram working for you? Is TikTok working for you? You know, are reels effective or can you reach out and do Instagram lives or podcasts with, you know, people that really inspire you? And I know some friends or colleagues that, I know that now have successful podcasts have actually, you know, said like, I just started interviewing people I wanted to be in the same room with or people I wanted to be in conversation with because people love to talk about themselves and be flattered. And, you know, that can be, (laughs) and it's kind of the, you know, Instagram version of that is maybe doing like a live with someone. Right. And I think people did a ton of that over, especially during the pandemic. And so really kind of being in tune with, unique ways of activating and being flexible in that way and being really like operative with, um, with what's working. Um, and, you know, kind of reaching out to people that are maybe like that kind of one tier above you, you know, people that are like not super, you know, super, super famous or something, but are kind of like people that you want to be in conversation with and maybe figuring out ways to, um, to do that, you know, and also like I cold email, reach out, DM brands, like even to this day, every day, you know, no, no shame of like putting, you know, putting yourself out there. And I said this before, like when you're building something new, 
just introducing yourself and saying your values and your interests and, you know, how, how you can add value, like that, that goes really far. No, I really love that. That's, that's amazing. And so we've only got like two minutes left and I'd love to talk about, I guess the, the big, I'd say in my mind, the biggest con when it comes to using your personal brand, when it comes to your business is that, especially when time is quite time heavy and people want you, like when, when people want you to, to be styled, they want you as an individual, because the reason why they're attracted to your business is because of you, right? And obviously, when it comes to scalability, that's really difficult because you might need to turn down clients because like you don't have time because it's just like very time intensive. So I guess like, how have you, well, firstly, have you noticed that? And secondly, how are you planning to, or have you already overcome that issue? Yeah. And so that's actually something that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of encountering right now as I brought um, my styling services digital and I do have two employees that work for me that support creating our digital boutiques for clients. And um, so right now we're at this place where investing in digital digital solutions and inviting tech has helped has helped me be able to hire people that support a lot of the the research and boutique generation and then, I just kind of do the client interaction. And so typically with um, with personal styling, everything's in person. So I would need to be doing all of those deliverables, just me or me with someone else. And so by bringing them digital, I'm able to um, I'm able to just do some of that like top level work, um, which is of course, which is of course the goal. Um, and, and working a bit with non-traditional talent in a sense of not just movie stars. I think people, you know, as your brand develops, people are, um, are okay with also working with your team, you know, knowing that you're scaling business and you might lose some really fringe, like needy clients, but you also have to create boundaries, right. And kind of, you know, focus on like, just keep up your confidence that people will be willing to work with you in that way. And you probably will lose a, lose a client or two. And at first you'll, that will suck and then it, it will get better. And the more you maintain that confidence of like, this is how I want to be hired. This is how I want to work. And, you know, we, we support you and this is kind of how we do that. Um, you know, you'll, you'll find the right clients. We had a, just a story quickly before we wrap up the podcast. That's amazing, by the way. Like, but just to, I guess show you that it's not just in the styling industry. We had someone uh, who started a tutoring business around herself as the brand, and so people would call. People would call. She was an English tutor. People would call up and say, "Hey, uh, I saw like you did some amazing stuff. I'd love like if you tutor my son." And it was good for the beginning because she would get so many gigs, but she'd get so like she'd get too many. So it's like she had to say no to a lot of them. And a lot of people would call up and say, hey, can you tutor maths? And she's like, no, I don't tutor maths. And, she, and they're like, I don't care. Like, I want you. And, and so like eventually she had to like hire loads of different people. But even then they still like other tutors, but they wouldn't like the clients wouldn't want them. They'd always want her. So she'd have to like whenever people would call, she'd have to use like different voices. So like the people wouldn't recognize her voice. So they would speak to other tutors first before like talking to her. So yeah, like it's it's a tricky challenge. And it's really good to hear that, I guess, you're overcoming this with, with technology. 
which um, obviously is is a good way for you to do it. Obviously, but with, with the tutoring, other tutors makes makes more sense. But yeah, I think I think we'll finish up there. I mean, it's been thirty two minutes, so yeah. Cass, it's been so good having you on the podcast. I loved chatting with you. It was so much fun having you on. I hope you enjoyed it as well. How can people stay in touch with you? Stay in touch with your brand? Yeah, of course. Going into the future? Of course. So we are on Instagram, just at Cassandra and at CD Studio Shop, which is my wholesale company, private label company. And also just CassandraDimmer.com is my website, my blog, my portfolio, and you can book into digital styling services there as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. I'm sure loads of people got inspired by this. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for staying to the very end of the episode. It means so much to me that you that you enjoyed it so much that you stayed to the very end. Cassandra was an amazing guest and I really hope that you guys found inspiration, found a lot of value from what she said. If you did enjoy, please be sure to leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. It's, it helps me out so, so much. You have no idea. It really does. So, and also follow us on Instagram. Uh, you can subscribe to us on YouTube if you enjoy watching full-length video interviews. Uh, that's right, including with Cassandra, the one today, and all future episodes as well. And yeah, check out our other episodes. There's 60 of them, 60 plus of them now. <laughs> it's getting quite heavy. It's building up. And yeah, I'll catch you in the next episode. See you later.